the baby Jesus that came to this earth to be the light of the world. To save us all from sin and darkness, as the word says. Oh, come all ye faithful. Won't you stand with us as we sing and give him glory this morning? Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to as a little baby, not to condone or judge us of sin, but to save us from it. That is huge reason to be filled with joy, isn't it? When we were little children, you probably heard this song called The Little Drummer Boy. 
And we're going to do it this morning because I see lots of our young kids here this morning. And you guys are not too young to worship the baby Jesus who came and saved you. So we're going to celebrate with some music and drumming this morning as we sing together, Little Drummer Boy. Jesus is. He's wonderful, 
Counselor, Almighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. And he's ours and he loves us. And all we need to do is come to him and rest in him and obey him. And that just brings us such joy. Let's sing that together. Come see the baby crib for a bed. His mother Mary lay down his sweet's head. His name is wonderful. See the baby crib for a bed. His mother Mary lay down his sweet head. The starlight was shining, the wise men were led. Come see the baby and worship him. His name is wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace, everlasting Father, Emmanuel, Holy One, Son of God, Savior of the world. Come and adore Him. On bended knee, he came to ransom someone like me. What could I offer? What could I bring? Come and adore him, King of Kings. His name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Everlasting Father, Emmanuel, Holy One, Son of God, Savior of the world. And the greatness of His reign will never end. Let there be peace on earth and all good will to men. Come, let us worship him, wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace, everlasting Father, Emmanuel, Holy One. Son of God, Savior of the world. Let's sing that name again. His name is Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, Emmanuel, Holy One, Son of God, Savior of the world. Let me hear your voices. His name is Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, Emmanuel, Holy One, Son of God, 
Savior of the world. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Proclaim. 
Lord, we love you, and we give you all praise and all glory. Speak to us through your word this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Let me pull this up here real quick. Hey, welcome to Steer Bible Church. Welcome to uh, Christmas time, Christmas season in Truckee. If I haven't met you uh, yet, whether you're online and you're checking things out, which we know many people are still doing that, or whether you're here, uh, my name is Jesse, and for the most part, I get to, uh, I get to, for the most part, I get to teach God's Word here every Sunday, which is just a huge blessing to do that with you and for you to serve you in that way uh, and draw us closer to the Lord through His Word, and uh, just appreciate you being here, appreciate you checking in uh, online. If you are online, you'll probably notice uh, as you watch the sermon, we've made a couple little changes to make the engagement a little bit better for you, and we're looking forward to having you back uh, in the building soon. If you are new and you want to get plugged in, uh, one way you can do that is in the bulletin that you receive. There's a connect card in there. Just fill that out. <clears throat> You'll sign up for our newsletter in there, uh, which gives you all the things we're doing and what we're not doing and all that. <clears throat> and then online, you can do that as well. There's a, a section there to sign up for the newsletter online. So if you are watching online, you want to get some more information from us, uh, please fill that out. A couple things uh, by way of announcements that we want to connect you with. Uh, one is all year-end giving needs to be in before January 1st. Uh, one of the things we're also encouraging you to do if you want to, uh, we give our staff their Christmas bonus through your tithes and offerings, and we do that specifically by you just designating that gift uh, to the staff. So if you want to do that, just designate it to the staff. We'll make sure it gets divvied up amongst the pastors and the personnel that serve you, which we have an incredible staff here, by the way, that uh, plugs away and works hard on your behalf. And so we're thankful for them. And then um, during uh, the Christmas season, we do have two Christmas Eve services, 5 p.m., 7 p.m. If you're going to engage online uh, during Christmas Eve this year, we have some candles for you. Just swing by. We'll give you some candles so you can enjoy candlelight service uh, within your home, your, your little community or family. Uh, and, uh, and you can use your own candles too. There, there's nothing holy about our candles just as long as you have some light. Uh, and then a couple things uh, each week. I've been trying to just bring up some stuff that's worth celebrating in the season because uh, it obviously, like this season's just a, it's, it's not normal and should never be normal and don't accept it as normal, please. Um, uh, <clears throat> Amy and Joe Craft, uh, they have fostered a little girl. She's about 10 years old uh, by the name of Mackenzie. Maybe you've met her. She's great. And they've been on a process of hopefully adopting her and that's going to be finalized uh, this month. So we're, we're excited for them. <clears throat> I think it's really cool. So she actually came to me this morning and, and said, um, hey, when, when it's all finalized, could we do uh, a dedication with McKinsey and dedicate her to the Lord? Even though she's not a baby, we would love to do that. And I was like, absolutely, let's do it. So that's really cool. And then um, one of the things that we've committed to for spiritual well-being and spiritual health is to maintain you know, our children's programs and all the things that, that we do through the week for high school students and junior high students and, and all of that for their own mental health, we think it's worth it. Uh, Awana's been open and plugging away, and I got a chance to, to pick up my kids at Awana uh, this last week and um, went into the, the, uh, the, what is it, journey or trek. I get confused by all of the different names, but um, it's basically the, the eight-year-olds, which my kids are a part of, eight and ten. And so I walked in that room, and uh, there's a gentleman there uh, who comes to church here? His name is Carrie, and uh, his wife is Jen. And Carrie, you'll if you you'll know Carrie uh, simply by the dreadlocks he has. He has he has a huge head of dreads, 
and he wears a hat. He always wears a hat, and it won't buckle in the back, so it's always open in the back. And uh, he was in there serving the kids, and I, I just was a blessing to see him in there loving on those kids. And then to see Shelly and Todd Braden in there, they were teaching, and they were tag-teaming. They each had their own whiteboard. It was like, they were super smooth. They're teaching the kids. And then um, uh, Jeremy Rogelstad was in there. Rogelstad, how do I say your last name, Jeremy? Where are you? You don't even care, do you? Yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> So Todd, Shelley, uh, Jeremy, and, and just it was just cool. So I just, I'm just so thankful uh, to have people like them and like, like uh, Amy and just people who love the Lord and we're just going to serve Jesus. So uh, we're in an Advent series called I Am. I don't know if you noticed the big I Am statement behind me, but uh, we're in an Advent series, which Advent stands for anticipation, uh, calendar watching, waiting, anticipating the coming of Jesus. And so we're celebrating with the Magi in history of the coming of Jesus and the birth, the incarnation uh, of God in Christ, his only son. And then we're also celebrating the fact that we're anticipating that Jesus is going to return and he's going to come back for us. And some of us want that to happen sooner than later. I'd like it to happen right now. Oh, nope, didn't happen. How about now? Okay. Um, and so that's what Advent is. And the I am statements, remember, they're just packaged and explosive uh, because it's Jesus telling the Pharisees, he's telling the world that he is God in the flesh. He, he, this is the thing that, again, it just makes you know, what Jesus' claims are very unique, very powerful, that he is God, that he is Yahweh, uh, and no one can come to the Father except through the Son. These statements alone were enough to kill Jesus. And so this morning, last week we went through, I am the light and, uh, and I am the bread. And you notice in the room, there are six I am statements. There's seven in John. Uh, they're all over kind of if you want to dig a little deeper, but there's seven that are really considered the I am statements. Six are in the room. The seventh is outside. Uh, when you walked in, it says, I'm the bread of life. And uh, we mentioned last week just how blessed we are to have great artists. Uh, and on the front picture, I told you, it is so cool, that front picture. It looks beautiful at night. If you are dropping your kids off at Awana, just take a look and see because it's got actual gold flaking uh, that was painted on it, a real thin layer of actual gold, so don't steal it, please. It is worth uh, a little bit of money, and the staff is going to wrestle at the end of January to see who gets to keep it, and so we're looking forward to that wrestling match at the uh, end of December. Yeah, it'll be live streamed. <clears throat> yeah. um, if you're new, that is a total joke. Uh, <laughs> the staff is not wrestling. I need to clarify these things, and then I get an email. Like, um, so, if you're if you're uh, new with us, or if you're at home, we want to ask you to engage in the reading of Scripture with us. And one of the things that we do, because we just value God's Word so greatly, and we believe it is uh, God speaking to us, and that it's perfect and true. And so, would you stand with me as we read from John chapter ten, uh, and the two I am statements this morning that we'll be covering uh, are: I am the good shepherd, and I am the door, the door of the sheep, the door to the sheep. Uh, verse 10, I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse 1. Truly, truly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. 
This figure of speech, Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved, and he'll go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not the shepherd, he who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, for the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. Lord, I pray your word would be what is true. You'd be the center of our attention, the focus of our adoration, the strength to our souls. We trust you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. You may be seated. Okay. So remember, these I am statements give us a peek, an insight into who God is. God is letting us know something about himself. He's teaching us something about his identity, what makes him God, what makes him good, what makes him holy, what makes him beautiful, what makes him worthy of our worship. By way of understanding the I am statements of Jesus and understanding who God is, we also find out more about who we are, what our identity is. So I want to ask you a question. If you uh, were to pick an animal to identify with, what animal would it be? I mean, what would you pick? My, uh, my dad, uh, my biological father, uh, he was a local guy, lived downtown. He was known as the bird man. He always had a bird. He had a gray parrot that uh, uh, was kind of an ornery little gray parrot, but that gray parrot went everywhere he went. And he raises birds even still now. He's got probably pigeons at home where he's at, and, and uh, he just loves birds. And so I loved birds. There's something about birds that just, I think are amazing. The wingspan of like an eagle and their claws and their, their beak, and just, they're just amazing animals, I think. So maybe if I was to choose an animal, I might say, you know, I'd be a, an eagle. Why not? Uh, in fact, some of you who maybe... My wife, for instance, she, um, her stepfather is Chinese, and so whenever we would go to a Chinese restaurant, we would see inevitably, if you remember, and I don't think there's anything to these things, but you'd see that little calendar on your mat with the Chinese uh, year and the animal in which you identify with. For me, I'm lucky because my Chinese animal is a horse. Why not? You know, on that calendar is the rat? That's unfortunate. Like, if you're the rat, that's a bummer. So I'm a horse, and my, my, my identity in the Chinese calendar as a horse is that I'm active, energetic, and I have a good sense of humor. I think attractive was in there too, but my wife, my wife, by the way, I'm the horse, she's a monkey, which, <laughs> which means she's sharp and a little bit naughty. Chinese calendar. I didn't say it. Chinese calendar. Right? Most of us wouldn't say, you know what, you know what, I want to be, I want to be a sheep. Nobody does that. Nobody says, you know what, if I want to identify with an animal, I want to identify with a sheep. What animal would you identify with? I can guarantee you sheep isn't even in the top 20. You're not thinking sheep. But this is exactly what Jesus is saying about our identity, a part of who we are. And so this morning, you're going to be a little bit offended and mostly encouraged. Because the offensive statement that Jesus makes, he's the shepherd, so we know he's the shepherd. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. But first, let's just talk about the identity that Jesus gives us. You're sheep. What about sheep? 
Well, first of all, sheep are dumb. Like, they're, they are. They're, they're stupid. They are one of the dumbest animals, if not the dumbest animal on planet Earth. They're super helpless. And, and in fact, shepherds have to squeeze the sheep's fur to make sure they're not too skinny because they're so dumb they sometimes forget to eat. It's true. They're totally dependent. Any other animal that you raise, any other animal that you work with, if you let them loose, they do one of two things. They either go wild, like if you let your cat out, which I'm thinking of doing here soon, and you let that cat out, and it survives for some reason, it will go feral. It will go, it will go wild. Or if you let a dog out, which is way better than a cat, by the way. If you let a dog out, and there's a few of them here in the service, by the way, this morning, I don't know if you noticed. If you let a dog out, that dog comes home because it knows its master. It knows its home. You let a sheep out, and it's dead. It doesn't know what to do. It doesn't know how to eat. It doesn't know where to graze. They're literally totally dependent. Sheep are completely dependent. They have no way of defending themselves. There's nothing scary about a sheep. They don't have sharp teeth. They don't have claws. They don't even bark very well. Have you ever heard of sheep? There's nothing intimidating about a sheep. Nothing at all. And yet this is how Jesus identifies us. You're like a sheep. The, um, there's a great book by a, guy, a gentleman by the name of Philip Keller. And Philip Keller wrote a book called The Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. It's a great book. We might have some in the bookstore. I'm not sure if we do. Um, we might get you some. But it, it's written not necessarily by a theologian, but a guy who loves the Bible and a guy who actually was a shepherd. So it's an actual shepherd who took Psalm 23 and showed all of the nuances and beautiful things about a, the relationship between a shepherd and a sheep. One of those things in the book that he brings out is how uh, the Bible actually says that, that the good shepherd, our God, puts oil upon our head. And in the Old Testament, there was a picture of the Holy Spirit covering us and protecting us and guiding us. But he mentions how in the field of the sheep, it was used to keep away flies, the world, if you will, the mentality of the, the world. It was also intended uh, to, when the sheep butted up against each other, that they'd slide off of each other. I think there's something humorous to that. Now, let me show you a couple things here, and then I want to read a, a tremendous quote to you. Tim Keller actually says it this way. He says, if you always look at your younger self, you'll always say of your younger self that your younger self is dumber than your current self, which means if you think that you were dumb at 15, you were. If you think you were dumb at 25, you were. But if you're at 42 and you're like, well, I was dumb then, you're going to think the same way when you're 60, right? It's called, what C.S. Lewis called chronological snobbery. Which means, what he said when he said chronological snobbery is that every generation thinks they know something that the other generation didn't know. Every generation is better than the next generation. And yet God tells us we're like sheep, we're dumb, we don't know how to care for ourselves. And if we don't have a good shepherd, this is exactly what a sheep looks like when it hasn't been cared for. This sheep had escaped its shear for six years. Six years now, here's the amazing thing about this, okay? I just want you to think about this for a moment. This thing's only defense when it goes in the wild is to turn itself into a giant pillow <laughs> and to pray to God that the wolf can't bite through the massive pillow that it is buried in. I, I, I've got kids. How many of you have seen the movie Spies in Disguise? 
There's, okay, none of you. Great. I won't forget it then. I won't even use the analogy. There's a great analogy in there. Watch the movie. We'll talk about it next time we talk about sheep. Now listen to this. I posted this on my social media the other day. And C.S. Lewis, again, who I believe to be a man of great intelligence, wrote this in 1948. 1948. Here we are, 75 years later, whatever it is. And Lewis, in this quote, he's talking about the atomic age, a world in which was at war, a world where there was the threat that a bomb would go off, and they were thinking that literally everyone in the world would die through a nuclear bomb. And this is what Lewis says in regards to living in the atomic age, and I think you could take the word atomic and replace it with coronavirus. And this is what he says. I'm tempted to reply. Why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year? Or, as you would have lived in the Viking Age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. Or indeed, as you are already living right now in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, and an age of motor accidents. And he says this, Do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, my dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had, indeed, one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics. But we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made. And the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes... Find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about the bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. Hmm. So Jesus says, like sheep, we have a tendency to withdraw. We have a tendency to be unintelligent. This is the state of every single person in all of the world, rich, poor, great, filled with much, or homeless. No matter what your state is, Jesus is making the statement, you are a sheep and you're in need of a shepherd. And if you don't have a shepherd, you're going to go astray. You're going to be in the dark. Last week, we talked about how Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. So we know that we need this shepherd. We need not to be huddled in fear because we have a good shepherd. So that's the, the, the bad news. The bad news is, is that we're all really dumb. I didn't say it. Jesus did. Not outright, right? But we're also extremely valuable to him. 
See, in Jesus' day, there was literally nothing that was more valuable than a sheep. Pound for pound, it was the most valuable animal that you could own. It's obvious wool was important. It's meat, it's skin, everything was used. It was so valuable. A sheep was so valuable to the shepherd that a shepherd was known to leave the 99 healthy sheep behind to go get the one, to get the one that was lost. This is the message of Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus says, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country, go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, I have found my sheep that was lost. You hear that? He, he leaves the 99, he goes out, he finds the one because sheep were so unintelligent that they would go do things that they should never go do. They would try to climb mountains they're not supposed to climb. They'd fall into ditches. They'd fall into the snare of the prey. And the shepherd would go out and save that sheep, bring him home and rejoice. And then Jesus brings it home and says, just so I tell you, there will be far more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents over the 99 righteous persons who don't need repentance. See, Jesus is saying, like sheep, we've gone astray. And, and, and this is a season. This is a season in which the church has been tested. It really has. I mean, and that's not to say just the church. Everyone's been tested. Some individuals we know that they're at home and they're watching online, and they should because they're, they're, they have a, a condition or whatever it might be. And we're okay with that. We have people who, who aren't coming because they work with people who are vulnerable. We understand this. That's why we make an online thing available to reach more. People are valuable. But what happens in a season like this is some people, they go home and they never, or they may never, come back to church again. I've shared with you how many times people said they've watched online and, you know, might probe a little bit and ask them what I preached on and they can't remember, which is okay because I can't either. (laughs) You know, those kind of conversations, those kind of individuals. And that's why I just have to say, for those of you who are online at a certain point, Jesus would ask you to come back to the overall sheepfold into the shepherd's presence. Not that the presence isn't at home. He, he's everywhere. I love the uh, nature channels. I love Discovery and Animal Planet. Shark Week? I mean, come on. On Instagram, I follow a thing that's called Nature is Metal. And it really, all it is, <laughs> don't follow it if you're squeamish at all, but it's just really gnarly things that happen in nature. Things that happen to animals that are just like, oh my gosh. I mean, if you want to know that the, the, the Bible actually says in heaven, the lion will lay with the lamb. That's an amazing statement because if you put a lamb with a lion in the wilderness, that pillow is not going to help. Right? These, these images are, are, are just kind of shocking. They take you back. But one of the things that the Nature Channel and Discovery and those kind of places have taught me, that predators always target the weak and the one out on the distance on the fringe. When we're isolated and when we're alone, we're in danger of the enemy that is like a lion prowling. He'll take you over, he'll run after you, and he'll devour you as a sheep. So we have to say, in this season, we have to do everything we can to find creative ways to engage with the body of Christ, to engage with one another. Those who are online, you have to find and fight for ways to connect with people. 
Maybe you can't see them face to face, but you've got to have relationship lest you be devoured. Because the Bible is letting us know in regards to sheep, in regards to the, the door of the sheepfold, there are robbers, there are thieves, and there are predators. And the ultimate predator, Satan, knows that you are valuable to him. So you're sheep. You're not as intelligent as you'd like to be. If you're honest, you probably don't want a shepherd. You'd rather have a consultant. You don't want somebody to have that staff in Psalm 23, for instance, that it will guide us and lead us and at times even discipline us. And so we have to recognize that we are sheep. We have to recognize that Christmas that we are dependent on something or someone. Hopefully it is Christ. But we also have to see the great value that we have in Christ which leads us to the good shepherd. The first statement that he makes when he says, I am the good shepherd. Let's just look at that for a moment. That statement out of all of the I am statements is the most personal statement of all seven. All of them to a degree have intimacy to them, but this one, this one is a personal, I am a shepherd. There is no other intimate relationship quite like that between the sheep and its shepherd. One pastor says this, Out of all the kinds of animals, Jesus could have chosen raising cattle, raising camels, raising horses, or raising chickens. But the most intimate and comprehensive of all relationships between master and animal is that between a shepherd and his sheep. He in here is giving us a really wonderful insight into how he feels, not just to what he does for us, but how he feels about us. He wants to shepherd you. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. And in verse 3, it says this, he knows the sheep. Now, there's some really great stories out there. I don't have time for all of, all of them about a shepherd and, and the sheep, but sheep, when it has had its shepherd for a period of time, that sheep comes to know the shepherd's voice and only respond to that particular shepherd. In fact, it's been said of many shepherds that they could see into the eyes of particular sheep and know the names of their sheep, know each one by name. What Jesus is letting us know is the good shepherd is, guess what, ladies and gentlemen, I know you. I fully, fully know you. An example of that in Scripture comes in John chapter 14. You remember Jesus finds himself at a well, and a woman comes up to this well, a woman that Jesus is, as a rabbi, not supposed to be talking to, not supposed to know, not supposed to be interacting with according to the laws of the Pharisees, and yet here he is breaking those laws because his grace is always greater than law. And he says to the woman at the well, while we're having this conversation, why don't you go and call your husband? I'd like to talk to your husband too. Her response, well, I don't have a husband. Jesus' response, correct. You've had five. And you're currently with another one, another man, and he's not your husband. Well, Jesus knows this woman at the well, knows her sin, knows her intimately, and yet, He reaches out and he loves her. It's that kind of famous statement which you've probably heard before. You are fully known and fully loved and there's no other relationship in the world like it. Again, to quote another pastor, this is good news for me, but he says this. He says, every minister in the world, even the best minister in the world knows something. If you knew the things that went on in our heads, if you knew the thoughts we had just during the week, you would never come back to listen to another sermon. You wouldn't. You see, you know that's true of yourself too. We all know if anybody saw us the way to the bottom, all the way to the bottom, they would turn on us. 
You know that and I know that, yet here's Jesus saying, I know my sheep, I know them all the way to the bottom. Right? You, you know what your week has looked like. You know what your month has looked like. You know what your years look like. You know what you did at 15. You know what you did at 21. You know your sins, and they are real to you. You know those things. I had a conversation with a gentleman after the service, living in the past, living in, in, in a, a part of his life that no longer exists. He's not that man anymore in Christ. But yet he knows and doesn't feel like he's totally accepted before Jesus. When Jesus says, I'm the shepherd, he's saying, I know you, I know your sin, I know your ugliness, but I love you, you're valuable to me. I love you intimately. So much so that the shepherd says of, of us, of his sheep, he says, I know the sheep, I know you personally, I know you intimately, I know your sin, I know your imperfection, yet I embrace you, I run after you as I would leave the 99 for you, you are valuable to me, and I, in verse 11 through 13, I will lay my life down for the sheep. What is he saying? You're my treasure. And what I said, the, 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 the sheep for a shepherd, that was his treasure, that was his finances, that was his everything, that was his life, no sheep, no life. Jesus saying, you're my treasure. I value you so much so that I will become the sheep that will die so that you don't have to live in bondage any longer. That's what the incarnation is, my friends. It's Jesus coming down from heaven and becoming like you and I and doing what you and I couldn't do, which is to live that perfect life. You know, the greatest human need is to be fully known and to be fully loved. You know your wife can't give that to you? Your wife doesn't know you. Husbands, you don't fully know your wives. And there's all, there's a little piece of us. And we're thankful for that. <laughs> Few of you were giggling and many of you were silent because you know. You know because you're a sinner. And that's why in marriage, you can never expect your wife or your husband to fully fill your need because they will never fully know you and fully love you. Your spouse is incapable of that. You are incapable of giving your kids that. You're incapable of giving your neighbor that. That's why we need the shepherd who fully knows us. He knows it all. Totally transparent. We're totally naked before him. He says, I love you. I care for you. I lay my life down for you. I become the sheep. Another author says it like this, that Jesus would say, I die in the dark that you can live in the light. I take your cross so that you can have my crown. I take your punishment that you can have my reward. I die instead of you. Yes, they are sheep. Yes, they are foolish. Yes, they are rebellious. But this is the reason they can be my glory. This is the reason they can be my joy. This is the reason I can love them in spite of their wrong, wrongdoings because I lay my life down for the sheep. I am the shepherd who becomes the sacrificial lamb. Isn't that beautiful? We celebrate this every year and hopefully we celebrate it every Sunday as we resonate with the gospel and the reality that Jesus became our propitiation, our wrath-bearing sacrifice. Isaiah 53 prophesies of Jesus that he was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows. He had grief. People hid their face from him. He was smitten by God. He was afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Why? Because in verse 6 of Isaiah 53, 
All of us are like sheep that have gone astray. All of us have turned, everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him in the iniquity of all. He goes on and says, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, but he didn't open up his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shears is silent. He didn't open up his mouth. So he, he had to come and be the sheep because we're all sheep. We all run to the edges of the world. We all get confused. We all get our eyes off of things that we shouldn't. We, we're so dumb, we forget sometimes to read Scripture. We forget to pray. We forget that God is omnipresent. Are you with me this morning? We have a tendency to forget that He loves us, that He forgives us, that He's compassionate towards us, that He's for the brokenhearted, and He's for the lonely, and He's for the isolated. He pursues them as a good shepherd. That's why if you're a Christian, there is nowhere on the planet you can go and hide from the good shepherd because He will track you down. And then He says in verse 10, I came that they would have abundant life. Now, before that, he says there's other false shepherds out there. He's literally, in one sense, he's saying not only is the, the false uh, Messiah, the false Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist in the world wooing you and pursuing you away, but there's also false pastors that are concerned about the church being larger, concerned about trying to reach more people to make their name great, that they're concerned about more money in the offering box. Jesus is saying of these kind of shepherds, they are false shepherds. They don't care for the sheep. When the wolf comes, when hard times come, they run. But not Jesus. He lays his life down for the sheep and he cares for the sheep. Then in verse 10, you would have abundant life. Anybody who's ever been at a memorial has probably heard Psalm 23, right? It's read at every single memorial almost without fail. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? Because he provides for me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. He restores our soul. Anybody needs some soul restoration? He provides for us. And one of the ways in which he provides for us, just as we said last week, we said that he is the light of the world, and anyone who follows him will not walk in darkness, now we're being told that if we follow the shepherd, we'll have abundant life and he'll lead us. Again, we know on our bulletins, on our walls, following Jesus is a big deal. It's what we want to be about. Jesus is letting us know that I will lead you. I will be your guide. You know, of every other group of animals, they're all driven. You drive cattle, but you lead sheep. See, Jesus goes before us as the guide, and he doesn't ask us to do anything that he himself has not already done. Jesus does all of the things he calls us to do. He's led that path. He lived through temptation. He lived through the, the, the hardness of the world and the sacrifice. You know what else he's saying, though, by saying you need a shepherd and you need to be led, that he leads us? He's saying you need a guide. You need someone to lead you. Anyone ever been to a really cool, exotic place? Not in the last year, probably. My wife and I, several years back, we had an opportunity to visit a, a missionary couple of ours in Papua New Guinea. It's this little jungle island just north of Australia. And I'll tell you what, man, that was a journey. We flew there, took a long time, landed, 
and it got into this teeny little airplane that literally fit the pilot, our luggage, and my wife and myself. And as we drove through the rain clouds, I could feel my feet getting wet. I was so scared. We finally land, and as we're, before we landed, we saw that there's all these fields being burned and, and, and thousands of acres of jungle because the people believe that there's demons in those jungles and they had to burn them out. So what happens when a false shepherd comes in and teaches false things. We land in Papua New Guinea and we meet the people who are leading us and guiding us and they show us the way. It was a journey. We, we, but we would not have seen Papua New Guinea through the same lens without a journey and without a guide. Jesus is saying in this life, if you want the most out of life, you want true abundance, you want to not miss out on certain things, you've got to have a guide. You've got to have someone lead you. Right? You've got to follow him. How many of you have ever lost a child? No one wants to admit it. Thank you, Shelly. I'm sure it was easy to, to lose some of your children. We lost one of our kids at Knott's Berry Farm for a little bit because we're good parents. Well, our youngest, David, he, he used to do this thing. We went to the Sacramento Zoo. He'd hide from us in the bushes. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hurt him doing that kind of stuff. Not really, but really. There's a feeling of losing your children that just, it breeds panic. There's something inside you, you, you start to worry and you look and, and I remember when one of our kids with the one in Knott's Berry Farm, he took off down some direction and, and luckily enough, some stranger said, is, is, is this yours? <laughs> yeah, he's ours. We want him back, Please. Right, Something happens inside, and Jesus is letting us know, as the good shepherd, I run after those 99, I want to lead you. But when you run off, when you wander, I will call you by name, and you will hear my voice, and you'll come back. You see, when we are leading our families and we're leading a church, we, we recognize that that there's one voice that we're to recognize, and that is the voice of Jesus. And when Jesus says, I'm going to call you by name in verse 3, he's literally letting us know, I know your identity. You have a new identity. You have a new name, a new mission, and a new calling. Jesus is calling. Can you hear him right now? Can you hear the Spirit of God in your own living room or in this room? Can you hear him calling you by name that I love you and I want you, and I desire you, and I forgive you. And I want you to know this new name. I want you to be on mission. I want you to be part of a church family. I want you to be part of a group of people who understand their sinness, but also understand their saintness. Can you hear him? Jesus goes on and says, I'm the door of the sheep. Literally, these would be places out in the field where the shepherd would bring the sheep in for respite. In Jesus' day, the walls probably would have been around 10 feet tall. The sheep would be gathered into this place, that they would be safe, and yet there's this crazy little opening right there. There's no door, because Jesus lets us know in, in, in this day, in, in a day of, of sheepness, and in the fields, that Jesus became the door. The shepherds became the door. They would literally be the first one there to defend the sheep from an attacker, a wolf or or a bear, or whatever it might be, the, the shepherd would be the door of the sheep. You could only get in through the shepherd. You can only get out through the shepherd. But Jesus lets us know something about this door. It's only open for a little while. 
We need to walk through the door while the time is near, while the time is now. Luke 13, 25, he says, once the master of the house has risen and he shuts the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door and saying, Lord, open to us, and he will say, I do not know where you come from. So as we recognize that we're sheep, there's a little bit of dumbness to us, a little bit of brokenness to us, but we have a shepherd who loves us and values us, who gives us a new identity, who became a sheep like us that we could relate with him. And this shepherd is the door of eternity. He literally says, no one can come to the Father but through me. He is that door of salvation. We're shepherd. We have a shepherd. We are sheep. We're in desperate need. What's the takeaway? Well, takeaway is what it was last week. The same, if we follow him, we won't be in darkness. And if we follow the shepherd, we'll have abundant life. So what does it look like to follow Jesus? Number one, obedience. To be obedient to the Lord in every aspect of your life. Years ago, when Allie and I were in San Diego, I'm not sure if she was there at this time, but when I showed up in San Diego to, to, to get into ministry, I moved to San Diego to, to get my life right and possibly enter into ministry. And so I had come from this small little church in Truckee, California. So all I knew as a high school student was small churches. I go down to San Diego, and here we are. It's a church of somewhere between six and 8,000 people. And they had an evening service by a guy uh, who led the evening service. His name was Miles McPherson. And each night, on a Sunday night, he had over 3,000 people attending the service. It was all college students. And while I was there, Miles took those 3,000 people, left that campus, and started a church on San Diego State University. And now his church in San Diego, the last I heard, is at 10,000 people. It's massive. And the reason I share that story with you is because I remember the pastor who, one of the pastors who helped mentor me, Mike McIntosh, as Miles was planting that church on San Diego State University, Mike McIntosh's words to all of these young college-age congregants who were about to go on San Diego State University, and I'm serious, this is a church of 3,000 plus people who are all average age 18 to 28 years old, all young. And Mike's last words to me says, as you leave, you need to ensure and make sure that you're obedient to Jesus. And I would go to the Sunday night services on occasion, and Miles would just hammer it home to these young individuals. It's obedience to Jesus that matters. You hear his voice, and you respond to his voice. Because without him, you can't do anything. And you're to submit to him in every aspect of your life. Now, let me just boil it down to two things I think are important in obedience to Jesus. Number one, giving. Number two, serving. Just boil it down to two things. Give. Your time, talent, treasure. Give. That's the ultimate ministry of Jesus. He, he gave himself, literally. Number two, serving. It's the best way to make sure you know your life is not about you. What does Jesus say? He literally says, if you want to find your life, what do you have to do? You've got to lose it. You want to know why? Because life, the value of life is found in giving yourself away. Now, it may seem like a small thing to you. My wife will tell you what life is like Sunday afternoons for me. Okay, I'm toast. I'm like mentally checked out. 
Allie knows that Sunday is basically a full work day. Half of it is spent here pouring out my heart to you, hoping and encouraging you to love Jesus, worshiping him by being obedient to doing what God's called me to do in the church. And then I get home and the rest of the day is the work day by napping. To the glory of God, to the resuscitation of my mind and my soul and my physical well-being that I can come and do it again. All of us need to give our lives away because that is where the value is found in your life. That is obedience. Number one, obedience. Number two, would you rest in him, please? He's the shepherd. Still waters. Green pastures. I like how one pastor says it. When are some of you going to finally relax? Some of you need to relax. You need to rest in the shepherd. When are you going to see that a shepherd who comes back with a lost sheep, the stupidest of the 100, and, who, and then holds a party about it, who comes back and says, let's have a party, I found the stupid one. It proves what kind of heart he has. It doesn't matter how entangled you get. It doesn't matter what you have done. No one can snatch you out of the good shepherd's hand. He loves you because he loves you. No one can snatch you out of his hand. When are you going to relax and finally rest in Jesus? Yeah, we've got to be obedient. We've got to work. We've got we to sweat a little bit. We've got to put some toil in. We've got to serve God, give ourselves away. But you know what? We also need to just chill out. Get rid of the anxiety, get rid of the anger, get rid of the angst, turn off the social media, just rest in the goodness of Jesus. And then lastly, recognize sometimes Jesus' roughness is his love and compassion. You know, you've probably heard this story before. Maybe you haven't, and it's new to you. But occasionally, out in the field, uh, there would be a, a sheep or two it would have a tendency to just keep wandering, the wandering sheep. It's the one out of the 99. He just kind of keeps on doing his own thing, keeps on listening to his own teaching, listening to his own doctrine, not surrounding himself with his other sheep, just runs off to the side, runs off to the side. Shepherd keeps grabbing him. Shepherd keeps grabbing him. And then eventually the shepherd would have to take severe, rough action, and he would break one of the legs of the sheep. Snap it. Then the shepherd would take the sheep, place it over its shoulders, and while the sheep was healing, wherever the shepherd went, the sheep went, and they would create a bond that once that bone was fully healed, the sheep and the shepherd, that sheep would never wander too far. There'd be a love and an adoration between that sheep and that shepherd. And, and, and the reason I share that is because sometimes we have to go through a coronavirus season. We have to go through rough seasons. We've got to go through rough things. And our hope is that, that not, not, not that, God, gosh, why are you being so rough? I know people have asked that. God, why do you do the things the way you do? He's ultimately wise. He's ultimately loving. He knows what he's doing. It's our job to trust the, sheep, the shepherd. You're a sheep. You're trying to figure things out. You're a sheep. You're not smart enough to know the eternal cosmic things. There are things out in the universe we do not understand. Scientists still do not understand the brain. They don't understand it. They don't get it. There's things that we'll never fully know, but that Jesus will fully know. He'll fully know you, and he'll fully love you, and at times when you wander off, he needs to discipline you so that your relationship with him will be the only thing that ultimately really matters. And so as we leave this place, as we leave the four walls, the church doesn't cease to be the church. 
This is the place where we gather and we encourage one another and we strengthen with one another. We're reminded that we're dumb sheep, but that we're valuable and that we have a shepherd. And then we leave this place and we go, Lord, how can I go into the world and share the hope of the world with my friends and my neighbors? Jesus actually says there's other sheep out there. You don't know who they are, but I know who they are. And the only reason that Jesus hasn't come back yet is because he's still in the business of bringing lost sheep into the sheepfold to the door that is the shepherd. Amen? Let us be a part of the Father's work. Lord, as we close in song, we just want to celebrate you. We recognize, Lord, that we are in desperate need of shepherding. Maybe you're here this morning or you're online and you just haven't come to that place of confession. I I just want to encourage you to do that now. The greatest thing you can do right now is admit to the shepherd that you're in need of being shepherded. The best thing that we can do is confess to Jesus that we're desperate for him, that we need him, we need his forgiveness. And it's simple. All you have to do is ask him for it. We thank you that, Lord, you give it freely and you don't hold back. And as we leave, may we be the light of the world, pointing people to the good shepherd. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are And thank you for who you have made us and are making us into. In your own image, Lord, in Jesus' name, the church said amen. Isn't it strange how difficult it can be sometimes to receive love? My mother recently moved in with us, and sometimes she says, I just don't want to be a burden, you know. Is it okay that I'm here and I don't want to be in the way and you guys have so much to do already? And I love what my husband says to her. I said, would you stop it already? And receive the fact that you're loved, and we want you here, and we want to take care of you. And that takes a little humility sometimes to realize, I'm going to let someone else take care of me. I'm going to let somebody else, um, you know, be there for me, and I'm going to depend on them. That's exactly what the Lord wants from us. We know that he loves us. He sent us his son to help us overcome sin through his Holy Spirit. Now, where's your heart? Are we going to love him with our whole being? Let's stand and sing. Let's give him praise and sing hallelujah. This is a song that you know, but I'm going to teach you a little part. It goes like this. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Simple, right? Let's do that together. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, oh, hallelujah, oh, hallelujah, oh, hallelujah. You guys sound awesome. A one, two, three, and...
Oh, shepherds kept their watching over silent flocks by night. Behold, throughout the heavens there shone a holy light. God's held it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. God's held it on the mountain. Jesus Christ is born. Down in a lonely manger, the humble Christ was born. God sent to us salvation that blessed Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere Go tell it on the mountain That Jesus Christ is born Yeah, Go tell it on the mountain Over the hills and everywhere Go tell it on the mountain That Jesus Christ is born that Jesus Christ is born. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh hallelujah, 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 oh hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, we love you. We thank you for this family of yours, Lord. Go with us this week as we go tell it on the mountains of Tahoe. We love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.
I let another pass me by pretend like it was nothing The king of all creation came to us, I know it's something Worth celebrating, heaven gave yourself a love Still 
shepherds bowed and kings knelt in the hay. This is our God, our great and